0: Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Chad, uh, one of the pastors here at Pleasant Valley. Uh, Excited to be with you and yet frustrated not to be with you once again. Uh, Here we are, quarantine, uh, lockdown, with some small glimpses of hope. Uh, I know that Monday we get the opportunity to hang out with 10 people. Yay! Um, But still hard. And uh, I think we're going on eight-ish plus weeks. Who knows now? We're kind of losing track. But I'm not sure what your experience has been through this. I can tell you that mine has been very up and down and with high highs and low lows, um, lots of frustration, anticipation, sometimes getting hopeful, and then feeling like the next day it's completely dashed um, kind of between two poles, one of anxiety and one of hope. And so I'm sure that uh, I'm not the only one. Uh, There's part of us that just wants to know what's coming. Like what's going to happen? When are we going to get through this? What is the new normal going to look like? Um, And if we go deeper, we really want to know. And there's a deeper question in our hearts and our souls that says, Lord, when are you going to make everything better? When is stuff going to get new? Uh, those promises that we see in scripture. Um, I want to show you a picture. Uh, It's from, uh, I just took a screenshot of my phone, Um, but I I use this app called the Bible in one year. And uh, it's got a glitch in that every time I open it, it opens to January 1st. And uh, now I'm afraid to update it because I kind of like it. Um, I feel like it's the Lord telling me daily, I can make all things new starting today. In me, all things are new. But our experience of that is maybe few and far between. Um, We want to know when he will make things new. We want to know what it will be like when he restores things. We want to know what it's like to be in the now of the kingdom of God and what is called the not yet, uh, that all of the promises we have in Jesus are secure. And yet there's a not yet portion of experiencing them. And so uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 is, is a verse that I love, that chapter actually, 1 Thessalonians 4, because it talks about the return of Jesus. Maybe when we would start to see some of these things happen. And one of the things it says is we're not those people, those people who grieve without hope. We're not those people who have stuff happen to us and we go, oh my goodness, this is awful. There's no way out of this. We're not those people. We're those people who believe in Jesus who lived, died, and was resurrected. And at some point, we will look up into the sky. And if you're still here, you're still alive, you'll see the sky split open. You will see Jesus return with those people who have fallen asleep, which is the way the scripture describes those who've died, because they're not really dead, fallen asleep in Jesus, coming back with him, an archangel making a command, a trumpet sound, him descending, whoa, should give us excitement, goosebumps to think about it. And then Paul throws in this little gem in First Thessalonians 4. And he says, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. So you're stuck in a pandemic. You're stuck in a difficult place. Here's some words that can be encouraging to you. You know, the last several weeks, and you just saw the, the trailer there for Quarantine with Jesus, um, and I was just looking at Jenny to the side here, because I know she worked really hard on getting that trailer for our new series, which is called A Hope in a Future, and she, I just heard her out of the corner of my ear here, the corner of my ear, out of my ear, um, say, oh, it's the wrong video. Um, but we are moving out of a quarantine with Jesus, and hey, prophetically, let's just say it. Lord, we're moving out of a quarantine let's do it. Uh, So we want to start talking about the future. We want to start talking about things that give us hope. We want to encourage one another with the words of scripture. And what do we know about scripture? What do we, just even to recap, if I gave you just a summary of quarantine with Jesus, what does it tell us? God's in control. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's sovereign. He's taking all of this broken threads and these bruises and this beat up tattered fabric. And he's weaving it into this beautiful tapestry called the kingdom of God, doing it through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his perfect life for us. And if there's anything we know about God is God doesn't react. He acts. He doesn't react. He isn't sitting up there going, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. 2020 just came up and bit me. That's not our God. He is up there and he is acting. He has an eternal plan. And so if there was a summary to our quarantine with Jesus series, it would be that he's in control. He knows what he's doing, but it still puts us in this place of asking, but what is he doing? A favorite verse this time of year, graduation time. And I know it's a difficult time for those of you who just had college graduations and they were weird. They were virtual. There was no fanfare. There was no ability to have all these people gathered around you. High school graduations are coming up. Same thing. Just kind of stinks. But one of the verses, and I had this verse too on cards is this one. It's kind of where we get the title for our series and you get these cards and they look like this. Congratulations. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And I remember that. I remember the feeling of graduating and, and having people around me and telling me how proud they were of me and all the gifts and everybody's there to celebrate and there's lots of great food and you're getting new stuff for your next adventure. And I got a lot of luggage and I wasn't really sure why. I remember asking my mom, why'd I get all this suitcases and stuff? She goes, well, you're going away. I was like, oh, it's not very exciting, but we get stuff. We know this, but I want you to imagine for a moment, God writing this card, because he actually did. <laughs> he wrote this card. Um and I want you to see which card he put it on the first time. That's where our passage is today. Um, Imagine before all of this happened, let's just put it in our current context. Before the pandemic, God knows what it's going to do. He knows what it's going to do to potentially people physically with their sickness and their health. Uh, He knows what's going to happen to jobs. He knows what's going to happen to the economy. He knows it's going to cause people to go crazy and be stirred up about theories of who's doing what and all those kinds of things. He knows all of it, and we don't. And he writes out this card, and he says, Here, and it says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. They're plans with a great future and a great hope. And yet he knows what's about to unfold on the earth. Well, guess what? The first time he wrote this card, jeremiah twenty nine it's exactly what was happening if you have a Bible if you want to look you can also just look on the screen you can just listen just don't sleep um, jeremiah twenty nine verse four let me give you some context because there's always backstory you want to know the backstory why did he write this card why did he give it to them verse four here's what he says thus says the Lord of hosts to the God of the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon build houses. Say what? Live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may have kids multiply there. Remind you in exile, do not decrease. And then this strange verse and seek the welfare of the city where you're in exile. The enemies, the people who took you captive, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And don't let anybody tell you any different. Don't let the prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. It's a lie. They are prophesying to you in my name, but I didn't send them, declares the Lord. That's the first time he wrote the card, sent it to a group of people, a letter, a grad card from God, but they graduated into exile. They graduated into captivity. Jeremiah was a delivery boy and they're shell shocked. They're in this new place, hundreds of miles away from their homes. Their homes were burned. A lot of them lost their lives. Families kind of scattered, fragmented, living in Babylon. Trying to figure out how do we get out of this? This is awful. We know this well, don't we? We know what starts to happen when you start talking to the blame game. And how did this happen? It was so and so, and it was them. And if we'd only done this and we've had a better leader here and done this, we wouldn't be in exile. And God says, Don't listen to that. So, how does this apply to us, though? Exile means that they aren't home. We actually happen to be stuck at home. But let's think about exile as just not being in normal. Not being about our normal way of life, what we would describe in a figurative, yeah, this is home. This is home. Going out, hanging out with people, talking to people, not having to turn my head every time I hear somebody cough. I actually did that the other day. I was sitting on my front porch, two blocks away. I hear somebody coughing in their window and I look as if, how dare you? (laughs) What's happened to us? Not living that way anymore. We're in exile. We're not at home. Home is familiar. Home is not being locked down. It's not being prisoners to a foreign enemy or to an invisible enemy like a virus. We have been thrust into this new existence. No one really knows what it's supposed to look like or how to get through it. We figured out that life must go on, toilet paper and all. So the bigger question is how do you live? How do you live in exile? Where you go into stores now and they make you wear a mask and if you don't have one, you want to go to Menards up here, you got to buy a mask. Sorry, can't come in and buy lumber. Can't buy, you know, nuts and bolts and little things you need for your house, you're going to need a mask. How do we live in this kind of situation? So God answers. You want to know how to live? Here's how to live. Build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens. Eat that food get married, have babies. In other words, get comfortable, get comfortable. Don't presume to say, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm not going to do this. I'm not getting comfortable. So here you go. Israelites hundreds of miles away from their homes. They've lost their homes. They've lost their normal way of life. And God tells them, Hey, don't be so eager to get back to normal. Now I'm not making any predictions. Don't hear me saying that about our economic health or our physical health or the factors of COVID-19, far from it. But what I am saying, preaching, pleading first to me is that we must all continue to look for, to hear, and to see the greater plans behind the Lord allowing this pandemic slash exile. That's what they had to do. Whether you believe There's been an overreaction, underreaction, well prepared, not prepared enough, good leaders, bad leaders, acceptable measures to protect people, unacceptable infringement on liberty, planned, unplanned, and listen, all of it valid. All important things to talk about, all things that need to be figured out. Yes, you don't ignore those things and just blindly walk. Of course we ask those questions. Of course we do. But as believers in Jesus, or as some of you who might be considering him, and I urge you to consider him, remember to look behind the curtain. What's he doing back there? When God speaks into a pinpoint of time and history, which is what he's doing here and for us, he always speaks with eternal intent, wisdom, and knowledge. He's not reacting. Remember, he is acting. He always has good plans. Guess what? We don't. (laughs) We're in the moment. We forget that he owns all of this. We speak, we react to instantaneous information. We're situational creatures. We fight or we flight. We're bound by the present, unable to live in the past. We can't jump to the future to truly know how we should live right now. So if you're the Israelites or if you're us right now, it's not necessarily an unusual reaction to kind of want to rebel just a little bit for this whole thing. Even if we think the Lord's doing it, I just don't like it. It's not, you know, it's not a bad thing that they're doing that. It wasn't unusual. Because we start to get to this real simplified thing. We think and react. And so we think this is bad. God is good. So how could this be part of his plan? Yet here he is telling them, and our question for us would be, what is he saying to us? Telling them to settle in to a new normal. Even if you think this will be over soon, we all know there's a new normal coming, don't we? We all know it won't be the same We all know that people will think twice. We were talking about this last night at dinner. They're going to think twice about hugging. Isn't that weird? Like we're all about like, you know, go to church. Hey, poop. If you're a guy, you go to the, you know, on the back. Um, But we're going to think twice about that kind of stuff. There's going to be a new normal. But what I love about the Lord is he's not about you just getting by. He doesn't want you just to try to make it. He says he's, brought life and he wants to give you life to the full and there's a place beyond just building a home and having babies and you know getting through this and buying the next round of toilet paper or whatever you need to make it he gives a little hint in the passage to them he says oh yeah and by the way seek the welfare of the city by the way the city that i have sent you into exile just in case you forgot who was behind this seek the welfare pray pray to me on behalf of the place you're in for its welfare is tied to yours what's that look like for us does it look like us praying for our government officials absolutely am i preaching (laughs) to myself (laughs) yes do i need to hear this yes are we asking for the welfare of our city for the cities of the world Um, not just our own You know, heard early on some stuff like, well, this virus came from China. That's bad. We should just, we need to be separated from them completely. Do I need to remind everybody that there are house churches and believers in China right now who are probably praying for you, asking for your heart to be turned to him, living under fear of their government, but loving the Lord no matter what. So what if it started there? We're in this together as the world, praying for cities around the world, praying for our city, asking for the welfare. Are we asking that the Lord would use this to help them and us to see our need for him? Are we as eager, and I heard a pastor say this, so it's not mine originally, are we as eager to share the truth of the gospel as we are to share the latest theory of how this all happened or is happening or who's responsible? Are we settling into trusting, believing, believing, Hoping, keeping our hearts fixed on Jesus, or are we listening to other voices? Remember that little phrase, into the city that I have sent you? It's not just discipline, it is discipline. But what does God say? I've also sent you to pray for them, I've also sent you to make their lives better, for them to possibly call out to me as well. But there are other voices. Sometimes there are voices where we don't want to listen, we don't want to hear. And we'll say things like, this can't be from the Lord. This is stupid. We're going to be done soon with this. And sometimes people will even say that in a real official churchy kind of way. There was a guy, if you look back a couple of chapters in Jeremiah, his name was Hananiah. And God had said, I'm sending you off. And he steps up and says, thus says the Lord. This is only going to be two years. This This isn't real. This can't be from the Lord. You know what God said about him? Don't believe him. He's lying. He's doing it in a churchy way, but he's lying. It's not for me. You want to know it's true? Just imagine God speaking to us. You want to know how long? Let me tell you how long. Verse 10. Thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I know the plans I have for you. It's important. Context is important. Declares the Lord plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The time limit. I love that there's a time limit, but it's hard that it says 70 years. Can you imagine trying to take that in? If you were somebody who was, I don't know, 25, let's see 70, 95. I'm going to be 95 when we get out of this Lord. I bet there was somebody maybe in year 15 or 32 that said, this is crazy. This just can't go on. There's no way. I know God said it was from him 30 years ago, but ah, this seems crazy. Let's go back. Let's do our own thing. Now, what am I saying about our current circumstances? What is God saying? Now, one of the important things about interpreting scripture, there's two things you have to figure out. One Sometimes it can be prescriptive, meaning it is prescribing, almost like a doctor is saying, take this medicine, do it. There are certain parts where you're like, yep, that's exactly what he's saying. There are other times that it is descriptive. It's just describing what happened. And sometimes it's a little both. And we have to discern from the Holy Spirit, what is he saying? So we don't necessarily look at a story where God absolutely uses natural means, a foreign enemy, and 70 years (laughs) in that land to accomplish supernatural ends. We don't look at it and say, well, that's exactly what he's doing now. Quarantine in 2020 is going to last. No, we don't do that. We don't prescribe the actions in the story here and just lay them flat on our circumstances of COVID-19. Israel was a nation state. They had God, he was their king, whom they'd rejected. They were being disciplined. And yet, this is where the little bit of both comes in. What can we learn from the description of what happened? What can it show us about our hearts? What can it show us about God's heart for us? Why is it important for us to see the favorite graduation verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, at the beginning of an exile? Why is it important to look and say, hey, this is important right here in this moment. Now I've, there are people and they like to be theology police, Bible police, who will come up and say, you can't use that verse. That verse was only for the exile or for them, or they'll take Philippians, you know, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And they're like, you can't use that verse. Don't you know, Paul was in prison and he was saying, I can get through prison. And you know what I want to say to the theology police? boo. Boo. I know the context is important, and yes, we figure out the context, but guess what? All the promises in Jesus are yes and amen to us. We can absolutely claim those promises. Do we wanna understand the context? Well, guess what? It's kind of important to understand it at this point, isn't it? It's better than just, hey, you got your whole life ahead of you, it's gonna be great. I know the plans I have for you, you're gonna do awesome, you're gonna get a great job, you're gonna get married. How much better is it that when you're in the middle of the darkest moment that God says, hey, I have plans. They're good. I'm going to fulfill my promises to you. We read in context, yes, but Theology Place, see ya. We're going to claim those promises in Jesus because what the New Testament tells us is that in Christ, we have been grafted in, which just means kind of connected. Think of a branch that was out here. Here's the big tree. And God somehow magically goes, whoop, puts you in when you believe in Jesus and the promises to Israel, Israel's not blown away. It's just expanded to include the rest of us, to know that the promises that God is saying, I will restore, I will bring you back 70 years. They're for us. And guess what? These plans, they're not new. They're not on the fly. Oops, I didn't know that was going to happen. Plan B. Well, maybe plan C. Ah, we'll just make it up as we go. It's not our God. God takes these plans and they are pulled from the ancient libraries of heaven. As old as we can think of, beyond the oldest book you could ever write, the Bible says that the life you are now caught up in With your heart, either already his or in the process of becoming his, was all planned before the foundation of the world. Before a single blade of grass sprung up from the earth, this was planned. Revelation 13, actually the end of our Bible, tells us about a book. And that book is the book of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Hmm. And that book has names in it. It's a book of life. And those whose names are written belong to him and are in the kingdom. And when was that book written? Before the foundation of the world. These aren't new plans. These are ancient plans. And these promises aren't just spiritual. It's one of the difficulties for us. Sometimes we want to keep it up there in that floaty spiritual world. This is not just about a future spiritual heavenly experience. So much more. Jesus comes back in the flesh. The kingdom of God is restored in the flesh. Heaven and earth meet together. And the fact that you and I are included in those plans, man, that should bring some hoots and hollers in your soul. You mean I'm in this I'm included in this, his plans for me. Yes, yes, in Christ, yes. So we say, okay, cool. But right now it's really hard. How does this all fit in with those plans? Lord, what are you accomplishing through exiles and pandemics? What will come from all of this? Look at the last few verses for the Lord's answer. Verse 12, then you will call upon me. Now then is after 70 years, after you've gone through it, then you will call upon me and you'll come and you'll pray to me and I'll hear you. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Now this would happen in the way Old Testament promises and New Testament promises. Again, we're in this now, but not yet. They're always like a little glimpse about what God's going to do in the end, what he will accomplish through exile. We're exiled, Peter says that. In 1 Peter, he says, We are exiles here on the earth. What does that mean? You're not home. You're not home. This isn't your home. And sometimes God uses another level deep exile to help you get that, to help you understand. I was listening to Shane and Shane this past week lead a worship set. And after one of these songs, Shane likes to talk, Shane Barnard, and he said, You know what? Jesus came to bust up religion. I love that phrase. Jesus came to bust up religion. Religion is, I got to do this. I got to keep my record straight. I got to keep the scales tipped in the right balance so that uh, maybe I can get in. Jesus says, no, I'm going to bust that up. So when he speaks to them and says, you're going to call on me, you're going to hear my voice, you're going to find me, What's the surface message that all of them are super excited about? Just the, the very surface thing. We're out. Finally, we're out of exile. But there's a deeper message. And it's the more important message. Yes, COVID-19 will be over at some point. Economies will recover. Things will change. Then we'll have something else in the future. That's the surface thing. Wouldn't it be great to be out of this? Yes, it would. What's the deeper thing that God is trying to do? How, what is he answering when we say, what is this for? Why are you doing this? He gives us a glimpse in those verses about true heart change versus behavior modification, true relationship with him versus religion and trying. You know, think about the difference between when you were a kid and you got in trouble and you knew if you said you're sorry, it would be over. And you do that quick, sorry. And maybe we do that too with our spouses or our friends. It's not real heart change though, is it? It's behavior modification. I know I got to say this fine. Sorry. Think about the difference between that and somebody who really knows and their heart is broken. There's a tenderness. There's something that's happening inside of them. It's kind of what God's doing. He's committed to changing you. He's committed to transforming your heart. Listen to this. Then you will call upon me. You'll come to me. You'll pray to me and I'll hear you. Now guess what? This is not a formula. God is not saying, if you come to me and you call to me and you pray to me, I'll think about coming to you. I'll think about opening up for a relationship with you. That's not what he's saying. This is his plan unfolding. He's saying, you want to know what happens when my plans actually are applied and they come true? This happens. Your heart's changed. You start asking me for things. You desire me. You want to be in relationship with me. Did you do that? No, I did that. How did he do that? Well, I sent you into exile. Oh, that's how you did that. Dare we say pandemics is how he does that? I will be found by you. Why? Not because you worked hard at religion but because I allowed myself to be found and even made it possible for you to find me. That's what he's doing. But the cool thing is God's not just about individual hearts getting cleaned up. He says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring tons of people. I've got a kingdom. I am a king. I own all of this. I rule and reign. I'm going to restore things. I'm going to make things new And I love this. Most importantly, I'm going to make it that everything sad becomes untrue. When everything sad becomes untrue, the end of J.R. Tolkien's Return of the King, and that title gives you a huge hint where he drew his inspiration from. Samwise Gamgee wakes up after the ring has been destroyed. Evil has been vanquished. Gandalf is sitting there and he asks this question to Gandalf. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Now, a lot of people argue against any allegory at all in Tolkien's work. It's hard to miss the obvious connection, though. Even in this end of this book, you have a king returning, you have evil being vanquished, you have saints gathered, you have a great feast, you have a wedding. I feel like I've read about those things before. Hmm. But back to the question, is everything sad going to become untrue? In Jesus Christ, our crucified and resurrected King, the answer is yes. Now, what does it look like practically for you to do this? Many of you know Ravi Zacharias. Uh, maybe you've read his books. Maybe you've listened to him. I got to listen to him in college. I've seen him handle some of the most difficult questions from atheists, agnostics, people from other religions. He does it with some gentleness and kindness. He has cancer and went for chemo recently. And basically they told him, there's nothing else we can do. Nothing else we can do. And I was, I follow him on Twitter and here's the verse he put just a couple of days ago from 2 Corinthians 4. We don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Listen to how he describes, and he is doing this, his cancer, his dying, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are transient, meaning they're passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So how long? Until the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, we will trust his promises rest on his goodness, believe in the promises of Jesus Christ, even while in pandemic exile. Let's pray. Lord, I am so challenged because I know that these people were real and that they lived in this place for 70 years, Uh, trusted you, believed in God, your promises and what you were going to do. And Lord, we're asking these questions right now. What does it look like to believe in a future and a hope in you? God, what does it look like to live in exile? How can we be your people who have been sent into this time to represent you well? And oh Lord to trust your ways, Lord to believe that it's a plan that's eternal, that nothing is happening just out of happenstance or just something that there's no way anything's controlling it. Lord, you're behind all things. And controlling, making them all, as Paul says, good for your glory. But Lord, we want to trust you. And God, we look forward to the day when everything sad becomes untrue. Um, but we ask now, Lord, for the strength and grace uh, to walk in your promises, to trust you. Lord, I pray for the next few weeks as we look at uh, different places in your word where we're encouraged to look to the future. Would you strengthen our hearts? God, would you give us Um, peace, courage, uh, the ability to hold high uh, the light of your gospel and to trust you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.